What's up, everyone? Welcome back. First things first, I owe you a really quick, really brief tattoo update. As you can tell, I am alive. I have survived the first half of my tattoo appointment. I am speaking to you today with the left side of my neck tattooed, just the outline. That's all I could handle. I was probably in the shop for about four hours, but half of that time was dedicated to getting the stencil on. And if you've been tattooed before, you know that stencils have to be perfect in the exact location you want them and they have to adhere to your body properly in order to get the outline done. It's like a very long drawn out process just getting the fucking stencil done. So that took the majority of the session and then the outline itself took about two, two and a half hours. I will be back in the shop in late August, so about a month from now, to finish the color and the shading. And that's that. Yes, it fucking hurt, by the way. If you're sitting there like, what was it like? It was excruciatingly painful. But I will say that the neck is a very unique spot to get tattooed. It is the most painful, at least from my experience. But the healing process is the the most seamless. I I feel like because your neck has constant movement and constant blood flow that the blood flow almost turns over your cells at a faster rate, which also makes the tattoo heal faster. I really only slept in pain one night and that was the first night. By the second night, it was almost as if it had fully healed. Let's move into the newsletter. There are two posts that went up this week that I wanna talk about. The first is a productivity hack that I have started implementing into my morning routine. It is called time blocking. And I won't go into all the details because I do want you to read the newsletter. Um, but it is about assigning yourself tasks like you would your normal to-do list, but also assigning specific times, maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours to one task in particular, so that you're not jumping all over the place. You're not doing half of your essay, and then you're doing half vacuuming, and then you're doing half of your groceries, and then you're doing half, it's like just complete one task within one block of time, and you will see how much faster you blow through your to-do list. Um, so yeah, go to the newsletter and check that out. If you feel like you've been struggling with getting shit done, getting shit done in a timely orderly fashion, that time blocking will definitely help you the same way it helped me. The second newsletter article has to do a lot with today's topic, which is all about creativity, my frustrations with Instagram. Do I quit Instagram? What other options are there? regarding social media that are centered on photography and storytelling, but also keeping that social aspect and bonding with friends. So the second newsletter article um, has to do with Instagram's very questionable, very disturbing decision to shadow ban one of my posts. And this post was a book review that I shared about Felix Salton's 1923 Bambi, the same Bambi that inspired the 1942 Disney movie. There are a lot of details regarding this situation, so I don't want to dedicate the entire podcast to why Instagram banned my post, 
but the very abbreviated version is that Bambi, what I thought was a story about deers and hunters and rabbits in the woods, is actually an allegory for the inhumane treatment of Jews starting at the end of World War One, and then, as we know, progressively getting worse into World War Two and then the Holocaust. So Bambi, on the surface, might seem like a children's book, a book about animals and hunters and the ebbs and flows, the cycle of life that happens in the forest. There's life, there's death, there's the changing of the seasons. Yes, it is that, but it is also very much a story about how the Nazis, AKA the hunters, invaded the woods, a place where they do not belong, and killed innocent, harmless beings. I shared that to Instagram, talking about how, you know, my mind was blown. I had no idea that Bambi, the, the original novel, was so dark and culture, culturally significant and the impact that it had. I mean, for crying out loud, Bambi was actually banned and burned by the Nazis in 1935 because it was considered Jewish propaganda. So this book has a lot of heart and meaning and impact and significance behind it. And I had no idea. So I'm talking on Instagram in my book review, like, oh my God, you guys, like I had no idea. And then within a couple of hours, Instagram totally silenced my post and I became shadow banned. And then my mind, my mind started spinning. Like, why did you ban it? Because I know that Instagram monitors for misinformation. I believe they started doing that maybe during COVID um, when there was misinformation about the vaccines and just the coronavirus in general, they took it upon themselves to flag and remove certain posts that shared misinformation. And I get that and I understand that and I actually kind of support that. Like you don't want lies published on the internet. You know, I stand by that. But there is nothing in my, my Bambi post that counts as a lie or counts as misinformation. So I definitely have beef with Instagram now. For the full details on this Bambi posting story, please check out the newsletter because there's a lot of detail. You know, you have to see the post, you know, the image that I shared. You have to see the caption that I shared. You have to see the hashtags that I used because it's all relevant and it all comes into play in this story. And unfortunately, Instagram is such a huge conglomerate, multi-million, if not billion dollar industry. Like there's no customer service. So so there's no way for me to dispute my post and say, hey, like you flagged this, but if you could just take a closer second look, you would see that my post is actually, it's not hate speech. It's not misinformation. It's not anti-Semitic. It's just a book review, honestly. And I think that you should reverse your decision to ban it. All this to say, I am growing increasingly frustrated with Instagram, which is not abnormal. Everywhere I look, my friends and content creators and influencers are all sharing their frustrations with Instagram on their stories. Basically, there's a petition going on. Uh, what is it? Petition.org. I think you can sign a petition to, to bring back the old Instagram. What does that mean? Well, I think the major vast majority of us are tired of the promotions. We are promoted content that we do not follow based on Instagram's algorithm. Instagram will suggest reels or topics or content creators to us that we want nothing to do with. All we want Instagram is to just follow the people that we follow. That was a deliberate 
purposeful choice. We don't want our feed to be flooded with really mindless, brainless dancing reels and just reels in general have taken over my feed. I have to scroll for minutes to see a single photo. All I see is like makeup reels, dancing reels, cooking reels, and definitely like I don't hate reels. They definitely have a time and place. Sometimes video does paint a better picture than photography. My issue is that reels are so favorited. They have so much priority and superiority over over photography that it really does create this imbalance of what is considered high quality content. You could be the most perfect. You could be a fucking photographer for the National Geographic sharing photos of the Amazon rainforest or, you know, the glaciers in the Arctic or the Great Wall of China. You could be posting these really like jaw-dropping, eye-opening photos, but the world isn't going to see them because Instagram prioritizes reels. And most of the time, these reels are pretty dumb fucking content, okay? I'm sorry. It's like children dancing around to a five-second song, and it's the same song that everybody has used, so you end up hating the song. Harry Styles, the way we were comes to mind. No, no, internet, high speed internet. I don't want to talk about the way that it was. How many fucking reels am I gonna have to watch with that song playing in the background? Um, and I think the issue with reels and video and just how much Instagram has prioritized this form of content is that it's really fucking with our attention spans and our capability to sit with stillness. One of my favorite things about still life photography and reading and painting and just creative outlets is that you are still for a moment. You're not scrolling, you're not swiping, you're not hunting and searching for the next, you know, endorphin hit, uh, you know, uh, the next hit of meth. Really, that is what reels are. Reels are just an instant gratifying injection of meth and heroin and we become addicted to that overstimulation that we find ourselves constantly searching for the next one photography doesn't do that photography makes you sit and pause and read and almost reflect and think and ponder it's like going to an art gallery the reason you go to an art gallery or a museum is to bask in the silence and the quiet and your ability to to walk slowly from one painting to another and then you read about the artist you read the title of the painting sometimes there's a little bit of backstory and you know my one of my favorite things to do at a museum is not just look at the art but look at the people because you'll look at someone who is so lost in a sculpture or a painting and you're looking at them and they're almost transported to another world. And it is it is magical to see someone so lost and so transported, I guess, because of still art. So now there's this movement going on on Instagram that is calling for not the removal of reels, but at least can we just get a more evenly distributed feed can it be like one reel one photo one reel one photo versus like 10 reels in a row and then 
the photos that your friends posted are all the way at the bottom. There's um, a slogan called slow your scroll, which I really like and admire. And it's basically like calling for us to slow down, admire photos one at a time, read the caption because, you know, I can't speak for all creators, but to me, Instagram is 50-50. It's 50% photography. It's 50% captions and reading and learning the story of why a person posted that picture. And secondly, you know, now that I'm kind of gaining traction with my podcast and my newsletter and I'm sharing my content with the public and with my friends and my friends are super engaged and reading things, it's time for me to think about like what my goals are for the future in terms of my career and my business. And do I want my face out there? Do I want my voice out there? Do I want my photos out there? Do I want my reels? Well, definitely not fucking reels, but I've come to the realization that I don't want my face to be famous and I don't want my face to really be publicly known or shared on public platforms. So, and God, that's another thing that's fucked with the Instagram algorithm. I don't know if this is true because Instagram will never fully expose the details of how their algorithm works. But what I've heard from friends and based on trial and error on my side, it's pretty clear that Instagram prioritizes photos with your face in them. If you post a photo of your dog or of your food or of nature, the algorithm is going to scan your photo for a face. And if it doesn't see one, it's going to go on the back burner, which really fucking sucks for people who are podcasters and writers and nature photographers, wedding photographers. It's, you know, it's not your face in the photo. It's the guest's face. Um, so I've kind of realized like, I don't give a shit about my face being on Instagram or any public platform. I don't care about sharing my external physical form. I mean, that's the whole reason why I started a podcast and newsletter in the, in the first place. It's they, they are two mediums that are considered art and are considered social, but they don't, but nobody's going to care if you're wearing makeup. Nobody's going to care like what shirt you're wearing or like, oh my God, where did you buy your shorts? Oh my God, your, your skin looks so good. What, what concealer are you using? Like who the fuck cares? Like if you could see me right now and what I look like talking to you today, you would, you, I don't know. I don't know. I look like a troll under the bridge over here. And that's totally fine because the reason you listen to a podcast is for the audio story and the reason you need a, you read a blog or a newsletter is for the written story. You don't give a shit. Like I couldn't give a fuck less what Stephen King looks like. I couldn't give a fuck less about like what my favorite creators and painters and singers look like. You know, um, one thing I really admire about Billie Eilish, like she's not my favorite singer, but I do admire the fact that like she is very open about her hesitations of being such a famous singer. And that hesitation is like people are going to judge the living shit out of me based on my body and my hair and my makeup and my and the condition of my skin and my weight. You know, that's the reason why she's worn such baggy clothes for so long is to hide, you know, her body. She doesn't want you judging her or basing her talent off of her physical form. 
And I also, the thing with Instagram being so like visual and like, ooh, look at my house. Ooh, look at my tropical vacation. Ooh, look, I'm on a yacht. Ooh, look, I'm on a private island. It's it's just creating jealousy and envy and consumerism and materialism. And it's creating this cerebral frenzy of like, oh my God, I have to get that. I have to get those shoes because this content creator looks so cute in those shoes. I have to get myself this concealer because, you know, such and such. And all I want with my personal Instagram feed is to create and share art. I want to talk about books. I want to talk about my newsletter and sharing stories. I want to talk about my podcast, which is just another form of storytelling. I don't want my feed to be a place of envy, jealousy, or creating a mindset of, I want that. I don't want you coming to my page looking for products or recommendations. I want you coming to my, you know, my space for paintings and books and still life photography. So what do we do? You know, I'm talking about all these things that I want Instagram to be how I want Instagram to change and what I want my feed to look like. But the bot, but the truth of the matter is, hmm, can we change the algorithm? We, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, not to be like fucking Debbie Downer over here, but one, um, one, uh, makeup and skincare influencer I follow, Samantha Robindahl, she has like over a million subscribers. She was saying like, I don't want to be a fucking Debbie Downer over here, but Instagram and Meta or Facebook, like they're all the same at this point. They don't give a fuck about user experience. They don't give a fuck if Instagram is deteriorating our attention spans or our mental health conditions. All they care about is money, right? This is a business. This is a yeah, this is this is a business. And if you're unhappy with Instagram, that has nothing to do with business. Like that's a, that's an emotion. That's not dollar signs, right? So, maybe we can't change the algorithm. Maybe it's always going to feed us reels and promote content creators that we personally don't follow. But from what I've read, there are ways to trick the algorithm into giving you more of what you want. And you've heard it before. I'm not going to drop any news on you. This isn't like breaking news knowledge, but it really does take precedent now, now that we're all frustrated with the current state of Instagram. So number one, like if you want to see still life photography and you want reels to go away, you have to like and comment and engage with still life photos because that will tell the algorithm, like, I know you're pushing reels, but here I am engaging with still life photography So please push that to the top of my feed. Um, I guess you can also like favorite people. You can add certain creators or your friends to your list of favorites. And then now Instagram offers you like two sets of feeds. One feed is like the general main feed and the other one is strictly based on your favorites. So if you are noticing that you're not seeing like your sister's posts or your best friend's post, maybe go ahead and favorite them. The other option is like, do we fucking leave Instagram? You know, like, and I thought about that, but then I was like, what's the alternative? I went in my head and I listed out all the other social media apps. So let's talk about like Reddit. Reddit um, is a recently new favorite of mine. I found myself scrolling on Reddit more on Instagram for the past week because 
everything on Reddit is so real, raw, genuine, authentic. There's no filters. There's no real editing. And based on the subreddits that you follow, like I personally follow like amateur room porn. And because just room porn, you're going to see rooms that are featured in Architectural Digest. You're going to see Khloe Kardashian's room. You're going to see like Martha Stewart's room. And that doesn't really do me a lot of good because how the fuck can I decorate my house like Martha Stewart when we are two, when, when we are on the opposite ends of like the tax spectrum, you know what I mean? So that's why I follow r slash amateur room porn because these are people like like me, just normal people, people who are not necessarily rich or famous or whatever the fuck. And they're just decorating their room with like Target and Pottery Barn and West Elm and, you know, Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, shit that like is attainable for normal people, right? Or I also follow like amateur cooking or like easy recipes, just like down to earth, humble content that isn't creating this illusion that like you're fucking poor. Like, do you want to scroll on Instagram and realize how poor you are? No, I mean, I don't. I don't enjoy seeing Kylie Jenner on a fucking private yacht or no private jet, but probably both. That doesn't do a lot of good for my mental health. It makes me feel like I like, whoa, I'm not 22 and I'm not a billionaire yet. Oh, guess like, fuck me. I'll just go die. Right. Like, I don't want that to be the mental space on Instagram. And that's just what it's becoming. But like I said, what are the alternatives? Reddit, mm, Reddit does, you know, like I said, share very real unfiltered photos, but it is open to the public, like open to the entire internet. So if you do post something, you're not just relying on your friends and family and inner circle to comment. You're basically allowing the entire internet into your life, into your corner, into your mental health space. And I don't know if that's good because it's like too much, too fast. And there's a lot of mean people on Reddit. There's also Tumblr, which is photo centric. You can also write and share links and share like gifts and memes. Again, similar to Reddit, you can't well, you can just follow your friends, but again, like your post is open to the internet and anyone who finds your photo can comment or reshare or just be a fucking troll. Twitter, you guys, like this is the problem. Like Instagram is my favorite of the apps. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure that you agree. Like Snapchat is not going to replace Instagram, Twitter is not going to replace Tumblr, Pinterest, Reddit. They're not going to replace Instagram. So what we're left with is staying on Instagram and just doing our part to protest the algorithm, protest reels. And I think the best way to do that is by posting still photography, regardless if it receives lower engagement. And I'm actually making a promise to myself right here, right now, that I will never post another reel unless I feel like a photo doesn't do it justice. Like, let's say I were to visit the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is fucking grand, okay? It's it's fucking huge. Maybe one single photo won't do the Grand Canyon justice. Maybe I do need a video. Maybe I do need to take like a panorama shot of the, you know, entire place. Most of the time, though, I would say a photo is you know, is just lovely enough. And I do 
prefer photography to video in general, but I'm not, I'm never going to post a reel just to trick the algorithm into favoriting me. I'm never going to do it just for favorites, just to like suck up to the algorithm for likes and engagements and comments. I'm not going to do that anymore. I did it for a while because I noticed that my photos were just not being seen. And that is very disheartening if you put your heart and soul into a post. Um, but yeah, like despite the disappointment of low engagement, like I have to do my part to tell Instagram, like enough is enough. We want We want it to be even, that's all we want. Like, can we just have it be equal where photos are equally distributed and equally praised and equally equally preferred to reels? You know, and then then there's the option to just um, kind of avoid social media altogether. And this weekend or this past weekend, I was really feeling this strong creative itch to do something that is artistic that doesn't involve any technology whatsoever, even though I do consider consider Instagram to be one type of creative outlet. So is podcasting, so is writing the newsletter. All of these mediums are very technology-based. I need the internet, I need my laptop, I need a microphone, I need my keyboard, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes I do want a creative form of release that doesn't involve, like the internet could fucking quit you know, all the cell phone towers could go down and I wouldn't even notice because I was so busy doing something creative offline. One of those things is pottery. I'm the type of person where if I notice trends and patterns on my Instagram, I'll, instead of like buying that thing, I'll wonder if I can just make it myself. So lately I've been noticing that I'm really drawn to coffee mugs and I've started saving clay pottery or or ceramic coffee mugs from, you know, independent small businesses on Instagram. And I thought to myself, like, okay, either I could support this small business, which would be a lovely thing to do. I'm a huge supporter of like Etsy and shopping small and shopping local, or I could make my own coffee mug. And that would just mean so much more because it would be you know, designed from my heart and my mind. And that way I wouldn't have to like unnecessarily shop if I don't feel like spending money. So I'm saving all these coffee mugs and that's getting the wheels rolling. Like, how do I make my own coffee mug? And that is pottery. And since I'm like a total beginner, I went to Reddit and I found the pottery, you know, community room. And I made a post like beginner questions. I want to make coffee mugs at home, but I don't have a wheel and I don't have a kiln and I frankly don't have any idea what I'm fucking doing. So please, like any advice that you could give a beginner would be extremely helpful. And Reddit came through the way that Reddit usually does. And like I received maybe 20 comments in a single hour of friendly strangers saying like, welcome, like so cool that you like pottery or that you want to try pottery. Here's the thing though. Um, Pottery isn't really like any other, it's not like drawing, it's not like knitting, it's not like, because pottery is not a cheap and easy uh, hobby to have. You need materials. Ideally, you would need a wheel to like help you construct the shape and the form of your clay. 
But even if you were to do it by hand, which is totally possible, you can totally like soften the clay using the heat and the moisture of your hands and then building a shape from your hands. But in order for a coffee mug to be functional and safe to drink out of, you need to bake it and you need to bake it in a kiln that can reach, you know, 1000 degrees Fahrenheit. No matter what kind of oven you have at home, I guarantee you it doesn't go to 1000 Fahrenheit. It doesn't get nearly as hot as you need it to be to bake your coffee mug. So I had all these like really nice strangers like, oh yeah, that's great that you like want to try something new. But unfortunately, like if you want to make a coffee mug that is dishwasher safe, microwave safe, and is not going to like release chemicals from the clay into your coffee, into your beverage, you got to bake it and you can't bake it from home. So like you either need to buy a kiln, which is thousands of dollars, or you need to maybe find like a community college that will allow you to use their on-site kiln for a small fee, or you can just take a pottery class and they will have all the materials ready to go for you. That's what I ended up looking into because I realized there's no way that I can bake a kiln from home and I'm not going to spend over a thousand dollars on a personal kiln when like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. So I found, um, pottery class in the twin cities area for 50 bucks. You can, I guess, build whatever you want. You can build a flower pot. You can build an ashtray, a coffee mug, a vase, uh, what a plate, whatever the fuck. And they will have all the materials there for you. So you don't need to like spend money on extra materials. That's where my mind is right now is pottery and making coffee mugs. The class is $50, which like, which like, is not like, the same as buying a kiln, Um, but it's not cheap. But I, you know, I did um, sleep on it and think about it for a few days. I discovered this pottery class a few days ago and here I am talking about it. It's clearly still on my mind and something that I'm interested in. So in the next few weeks, you may hear me talking about taking a pottery class and how that went down. If you yourself are really into pottery, specifically like coffee mugs, please like reach out to me on Instagram at Sophie Radvan. Like I would love to know if you have any advice for me on how I can, you know, pursue this hobby at home without always paying for a class to go to. Speaking of classes though, I had the loveliest experience last summer. I was scrolling on Instagram and I found like an advertisement for a paint your own pet class at a brewery in downtown Minneapolis. It was also like, I think it was like $60 or $80. It was, I think it was more than the pottery class, but I've talked about paint by numbers before where it's like painting for idiots. You don't need any sort of artistic talent. You don't need to be good at outlining or drawing because the organizer of the event will do it for you. They will stencil you. Basically how it works is I sent an image of my dog to this woman prior to the event And she then created the outline and created the numbers. Like the nose is black, the eyes are brown, the fur is gold, you know what I mean? She labeled everything for me. All I had to do was show up to the class. I got some free wine, free alcoholic beverages. And then you just fill in the individual numbers based on the corresponding paint color. And what I have now, I'm actually sitting in this very room is a portrait of my greyhound shepherd dog. Um, 
that's my own. You know, I didn't pay anyone to paint my dog. I didn't hire an artist. I didn't, you know, there's something just so satisfying about doing things yourself. Yes, you could, you know, hire someone to paint a portrait for you, but if you're able to do it yourself, even though maybe it like might cost a little bit and it might be more time consuming, it's just, there's something so gratifying about holding a physical piece of art that you did yourself. Maybe you like knitted your own scarf or you crocheted your own carpet or you painted your own canvas or you, you know, made your own fucking coffee mug out of clay and, and pottery. And like, it's like your baby, you know? And there's, it's just so satisfying and gratifying and like humbling and just like feel good to be able to create art that you're able to hold and that you know will last forever. So the paint your pet class was so much fun and I now have a forever painting of my dog. Um, So that is, you know, that's saying something. That is kind of motivating me and pushing me even more to sign up for this pottery class because then I'm gonna have a functional, safe mug baked by professionals in a professional kiln that I will be able to have forever. Another, I actually do have a my own paint by numbers. So because I was such a fan of the paint your dog class, I went ahead and on Etsy and I paid for my own paint your numbers kit. And no surprise here, I'm painting chickadees. <laughs> chickadees are just really like flying all over the place in my life at the moment. Um, so yeah, I you know, now that it's nice weather and it's it's hot and it's warm here, I want to I actually it's on my to-do list. I have a weekly to-do list on my phone and one of the tasks is to paint my paint by numbers canvas in my backyard on a sunny day and like maybe have some wine or, you know, a soda, some some Olipop. Oh my God, Olipop is so fucking good. Have some Olipop soda if I don't feel like getting drunk, maybe some wine, vodka, fucking margarita, who fucking knows? You know, sit in the sun, soak in that vitamin D and paint and read and just do creative things that don't involve technology or the internet. That's currently where I'm at. That's all from me, everybody. Have a great day. I will talk to you soon. Bye.